Hi there, I'm Kim. I'm Hillary. You're watching the Frame of Mind Coaching Podcast. Welcome to the Frame of Mind Coaching Podcast. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Here we go again. All right, I'm excited. Round two. So today I have a couple of questions and a journal. So Michael, a little bit long. We'll see, uh, we'll see how this goes. So first question is from an existing client, and uh, I'm going to read this for you now. So her question for this coach is, how do you tame the thoughts and quiet in the mind in the middle of the night when you wake up with a hundred things rolling through your brain and you can't get back to sleep? Well, there's really only, I mean, there's lots of answers to that, but the best answer is uh, if you are waking up in the middle of the night, grab a piece of paper and pen and write down the hundred thoughts that are rolling around in your brain and get them out of your brain. But ideally you want to do that before you go to bed, right? Right. So there's, there's the idea of just like, like capturing some of those thoughts because some of those thoughts may be very useful, may be very strategic. Maybe uh, it could be related to your business and the 10 things you want to do to move your business forward. Maybe they're just, you know, those crazy thoughts that are eating up your brain that are taking up your time, your energy and your mind that you want to just get down and get out of your mind. So here's the basic premise is the thoughts that you have aren't who you are. Those thoughts are thoughts that you can take on and inhabit or allow them to inhabit you. Or you can just allow them to pass by. Sometimes it's hard to just let them pass by. But when you write them down, in a way, they get out of your system and they get placed somewhere that's not inside of you. That's my biggest recommendation. I know it sounds like, man, I'm sleeping. I'm kind of half awake, kind of half asleep. Do I really want to get up and go and journal? And honestly, do it. You'll go back to sleep a lot faster. So the journaling is really cathartic. It just allows you to dump what you're, what you're feeling and thinking in the moments. So you can just have some peace. That's right. Okay. Yes. And also not only have some peace, but capture some of the golden nuggets that you've been thinking about that may have a lot of value and use for you the following day that you may not want to forget. Right, right. Yeah, actually, I find myself, I'll be lying in bed thinking about things and not wanting to get up and write them down. But then I forget them the next day. And I'm like, what was that? I want to remember that thought because I want to address it later on. Exactly. Or yeah. I had a great idea. I often wake up in the middle of the night thinking of great articles that I want to write. So do you get up and then and journal? Well, sometimes I do. I have my phone beside me. I have a note section and I quickly write a note for myself. Nice. That okay. way I have it. I don't right, lose it. Right. right? Uh, but when something's really eating me up, I take the time to really unload. I write about it. I have this expression. It's called dump, dump, and then dump the dump. And what does that mean? It means I get everything out of my system. I write it down. I write what happened, why it happened, why it's bothering me. And when I think I'm done, I keep going. I keep dumping. And I really, really unload. I get it all out of my system. And then when I'm done with that, I write literally a note at the bottom of my journal saying, okay, it's time to turn myself around. And that's when I dump the dump. I'm done with that. I'm, I'm, I'm oh. tired of dumping. And I move myself towards journaling about what I would rather have, where I want to go, how I plan to address this problem, or just imagining a better world for myself, or you know, literally writing down how I want to feel and allowing myself to go in a direction, literally turn myself towards 
what I want, where I want to go, and how I want to feel. Interesting. Is that a concept in frame of mind coaching? Turning it is. Yes. What that is. So, so the first concept is dump, dump, and then dump the dump, and it's a journaling technique. Okay. The second thing is turning yourself towards where you want to go. It's called pivoting. Okay. So when you are able to be clear about the direction you're heading in, sometimes we get confused. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes things happen to us and we can't stop paying attention to or thinking about those things. What you want to do is go, hold on a minute. That's not what I want. That's not what I want to pay attention to. That's not what I want to occupy my mind with. What do I want instead? And literally pivot yourself towards what you want. Turn yourself in the direction of what you're looking for. Sometimes it's easier than other times. But if you can always ask yourself, what do I want? And remind yourself, oh, I need to be going this way. So it's really being conscious of your thinking and what you're focused on and and recognizing what you're focused on. And if it's not something that you want, pivoting your thinking. Correct. Turning yourself towards what what you would rather have. And part of it is just asking yourself, okay, so like I really didn't like that experience. That wasn't fun. That wasn't good for me. I didn't like that conversation. I didn't like that movie. It doesn't matter what it was. I didn't like that what would I rather have? Mm-hmm. And ask yourself, what do I want? What would I rather have? Just that question alone allows you to turn your attention to those things instead. The thing is, you got to keep heading in that direction. Right. Well, it feels lighter already when you just think about, okay, well, I don't want that. So what do I want? And when you start thinking about what you do want, you already start to feel a little bit lighter and happier and because you're not focused on what I don't want and the Correct. negative. Okay. Right. Awesome. I love that. I know I have to journal a little bit more. <laughs> yes. Yes, Somebody I know. That. I got to do the dump. <laughs> that's right. Okay. I have another question that's very interesting to me. And, and it, I'd like to know this answer too. So this is very, very, very cool. Okay. So how do you deal with someone or how do you interact with someone who has a vision of you that you don't feel is true to who you are. Say you've gone through a transformation, you're no longer that person. Um, and then part two is how do you how does one deal with trying to change their vision of someone else? So okay. it's a two-parter. So let's start with part eight. Right? When someone has a vision of you that is your old self mm. and you allow that vision to bug you, you're being your old self. That's interesting. Can you, right? can you continue with that? So what? what I'm saying is, is that your old self is the person who is allowing other people's opinions, other people's behaviors to trouble them. And when so, you're doing that, you're literally taking their vision and, and by resisting it, you're embracing it. Why? Because what you resist persists. What you resist, you're actually focused on. You're focused on your old self. So would you say that then that relationship should change in a way or that person should not interact with that other person if their vision of them is still the old? I mean, it can't can't feel good for someone to have a vision of you that's not what you feel you are. Like it doesn't feel good, but only if you allow that to if if you allow that to distract you. So if their old vision of you, right, troubles you, that's a you problem, not a them problem. 
Mm, right? So because would, you're tuning into that vision. You're not being the new vision, right? So instead of moving forward, your head is behind you. Right. Right? Looking at what you were because that person is going, hey, hey, right? And instead of saying, you can look wherever you want, dude, but I'm going over here, you're looking behind you. And the real suggestion is be who you are now. Allow him to be who he is. You don't need him to change in order for you to be happy. What you're saying is, well, he needs to have this new vision of me. Otherwise, I can't be happy. So your happiness is still contingent on what he's doing, saying, seeing, feeling, etc. That's the old you. It's not the new you. Right. The new you, the new you is the person who says, you can have whatever vision you want. It's none of my business. I'm going on my merry way. If you want to join me, join me. But the vision you have doesn't rattle me at all. Well, I can't see somebody wanting to continue that sort of friendship or relationship if the other person always has this negative vision. Well, sometimes it takes a person to catch up, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have this relationship with a person and that relationship has been valuable and you care about the person and this person matters to you, they've maybe been a very good friend over a period of time and they're not caught up to speed, is that terrible? It's not so terrible. You just have to be consistent in your new vision of yourself. Mm. And at some point, they have choice. They choose to catch up to you or fall away. It's their choice. But you just want to be consistent and move along your path. Stay where you are. Be who you are. Be who you want to be. Be the new vision of you. What they think is really none of your business. Right. Okay. And so then on the flip side, if someone has a vision of somebody else that's like just persistently when they think of them, it's like negative or it doesn't really feel good, but they want to have a better vision because they do see other aspects of this person that are great and wonderful, but they just can't flip that. They can't pivot. How do they, how do they flip their vision of somebody else? So somebody else is a subject. What does that mean? Like my whiteboard is a subject, Mm -hmm. right? So on my whiteboard, I have a bunch of things on it. It's a subject just like the person is a subject. So I could look at my whiteboard and say, man, why isn't it perfectly clean? There are words on that whiteboard and those words are distracting me. Why isn't my whiteboard perfectly clean? Just like you look at this person, you say, why does that person have a flaw? Right? Why do I keep seeing the bump on his nose or the, you know, the way his eye goes up and down when he talks? Right? Why do I focus on that? So again, that's a you problem. You're focused on that which you don't want to see, on that which troubles you. You have choice. You can turn your attention to that which pleases you, or you Mm -hmm. can say, I don't really, I accept this person for who he is completely. I don't need him to change for me to be happy, but this is not where I really want to hang out. It doesn't feel healthy for me. Mm -hmm. So, So the key point is, I don't need anybody else to change in order for me to be happy. So your happiness is not dependent upon what anybody else thinks, says, or does. Correct. Your happiness is dependent on how you think. And if you're using him as a subject that's causing you to feel bad, you need to think differently. You need to think in ways that cause you to feel good. So either don't think about him at all or think good things about him. Either way... You are in control of your thinking. 
And when you choose to think negative thoughts about him, you're allowing him to be the cause of your misery. Or rather, let me be more specific, you're allowing your thoughts about him right. to be the cause of your misery. And you're still in control. He's not. Right. So it always comes back to us. We're in control and we get to choose our thoughts and our perceptions and all of that. Correct. It's tricky, right? Because there's a yeah. lot of responsibility to take, to take on. Sure. To take control of how you think about everything. Yeah, because you're looking at somebody else and you know, why does he keep doing that? Or why does he keep saying that? That's not right. Or that's, you know, but so we can choose to pay attention to that or not. Right. Accept also, it or move on. Right. Also, the way he behaves is also none of our business. The way he behaves with us, we get to choose whether or not we want it in our lives. And if we don't, ask yourself, what would I rather have? Right. And move in that direction. And pivot. Instead of saying, no, you can't do that. That's terrible, horrible, bad. You just say, okay, you're the way you are. Not cool for me. I'm going this way. So that, does that have something to do with acceptance also? Yes. I find that to be a very powerful, I don't know, concept, whatever you want to call it, in my life, accepting. Uh, it just allows the, the, the stress and the, the turmoil that you feel on subjects just kind of dissipate. Like yeah. I've accepted that's who you are or this situation is how it is. And okay. Exactly. Okay. In other words, you can be who you are and that frees me up to be who I am. Right. Right. Okay. I love that. Excellent. So now I have a journal here and we're going to switch kind of focus. We're going business. All right. So this is from, um, Somebody who wrote into us had a question. So this is her journal. I have an employee who works for me who is having a very tough time in life. He has not been himself for the past two months. I've asked several times how things are going and I get a fine, but the tone in his voice is saying something very different. I recently had to give, give him a review and be very firm with him regarding his performance. He is paid as a senior sales rep level at a senior sales rep level, but performing at a junior sales rep level. He is not doing the things that are asked of him to just meet the minimum requirements for his job. For example, submitting expense reports on time. That is something you just have to do, and he does not seem to be doing them right now. I wonder if he is doing this to get fired subconsciously. He is living in fear right now. Every time I speak with him, he asks if he's going to get fired. She's She's stuck. What kind of advice would you give to this uh, leader? Well, is she stuck? Where is she stuck? What do you think she's stuck about? I think she's stuck. She hasn't gotten his story. She doesn't know what's going on with him. And she and he feels doesn't want to tell like, her. And he doesn't want to tell her. Right. So what is she actually stuck with? You have someone who's clearly not performing. You have a certain set of basic minimum requirements. This person's not performing. What's actually the stuck part? Well, his, his thinking. Her okay, thinking. wait. The boss is a woman. The yes. employee is a, is a man. So Correct. She's stuck. What is she stuck about? She's stuck in her, her thinking. But in be her, more specific. In her vision of him. Well, but what's the problem, right? You have a person who, has, who is not performing at minimum levels. So my question is, so why does she keep him? What are the beliefs that she has that says, I need to tolerate this, entertain this, 
work with this, keep this. Because she's trying her best to say, hey, is there anything else going on? Like, tell me the story. I'm open. I'm being compassionate. I'm being warm. I'm being caring. He's not stepping into that. And he's creating him for himself a situation where he's underperforming, mm-hmm. even though she really wants to help. Mm-hmm. So she's at a point, like, where's the real problem? Real problem is she's like, wow, I see this guy struggling. He's not performing, but I'm at odds with myself because I feel mean thinking about firing him. So the struggle isn't real. The struggle is internal. Where's the struggle? It's, you know, bosses. I've seen it over and over again. Entrepreneurs who keep people who are not performing, who keep people because they feel bad. They empathize. They Mm. feel bad letting someone go. Right. And they say, well, they're sure there must be something going on. And I appreciate that. That's a good angle, right? Like, go find out what's happening but he's not willing to share. Okay. So now what? So she keeps tolerating underperformance. So Mm -hmm. the question is, how long is it okay to tolerate underperformance? Is it a month, two months? Like how long, how long is it okay? Mm -hmm. And what is the impact? Right. So for her, the real problem is not that he's underperforming is not that he's not telling her. The real problem is she has an internal conflict with herself. And that conflict says, well, if, if I let him go, then I'm not a good person. I'm mean. Right? And so, so many leaders tolerate an extended period of underperformance because they feel bad for the other person. So when you go back to your question, does she have a poor vision of him? Well, she has a, a vision that he can't handle being fired. She has the vision that, you know, she is going to be hurting him deeply if she takes action that says, this doesn't work for my business. But what she's doing is, is she's holding on to something, maybe for a prolonged period of time. I'm a little unclear about the time frame here, but, and she's actually hurting her business and all the people who work in this business, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Because she's paying way too much for a service he's not delivering. So what happens? Morale is affected. Bottom line is affected. Relationships are affected, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So she's afraid to make a decision in the best interests of the company. Right. Because it's very important for her to be nice. And she's being empathetic. And she's imagining that he's struggling with something. And even though she tries, he's not willing to share. So at some point as a business owner, you kind of go, so what else are you tolerating? What else is okay? What else are you sucking up? What else are you living with? Because you want to be nice. Right. Do you think that maybe she also could have a fear of wanting to be, you know, people not liking her. She wants to be liked by everybody. Maybe. Did you think that this is where I was going to go with this journal? No, not at all. (laughs) But I want to ask you a question. Can we go back to empathy? Empathy. Yes. You know, you talked about she's too empathetic. What does that mean? And, you know, what does that mean to be empathetic? And and do we want to be empathetic with our, with our employees or towards our employees? So a lot of leaders, a lot of HR people, a lot of coaches believe that it's a critical skill. It's a critical characteristic to Mm -hmm. have empathy, but let's define empathy for a minute. 
Empathy is an emotional experience. It's when I put myself in your shoes or in the shoes of someone else and feel their emotional state, feel their pain. So Mm -hmm. from my perspective, as a coach, as a leader, empathy doesn't serve anybody. So let me explain what that means. So let's say I'm walking by and I see you drowning in a pool. How are you feeling emotionally? Afraid, suffocating, uh, terrified, panic. panic. Distress. Now, if I am empathetic and I take on those feelings, then I'm suddenly in distress, panicked, terrified. And in that moment, I've disabled myself. I can no longer help you because now I'm panicked and distressed too. So what do I need to do? I need to see her in the pool. I need to have compassion and say, wow, she needs help and I can help. And I have to have a vision that you can be safely removed from the pool. But I need to stand solidly on the edge of the pool, pull, take my hand, and pull you out. But if I'm in the pool with you, drowning with panic and fear and distress, you can't help I can't help you. So in order for me to be able to help you, I can't join you where you are. Okay, so let's relate it back to this, this journal then. So you're saying that she maybe feels too empathetic towards him. Right. She sees him suffering. She keeps asking him. Are you okay? What's what going happens on? Is, right? Like, so he's not performing. She feels bad for him. And to some degree, she's also not performing. Right, right. Because she's not making she's it not a change. Okay. Yeah. Here's the requirement. You know, you either share what's going on so we can address it. Like she's not addressing the problem. Right. Right. So she had a conversation with him. She gave him a review. And then what? She kept him. Right. Was there a plan? Was there, you know, here's, here's what's going to happen next? Like what happened? Nothing happened, it sounds like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It sounds like she sucked it up and they're carrying on in the way that they were before. So her being empathetic towards him is causing her, is preventing her from doing her job, which we see by not taking another step after this review. You know, maybe in her mind, the review was the step. We don't know. Like we're lacking some information. Sure. The point is that she's tolerating for a long period of time underperformance. We see leaders in that boat over and over and over and over again. I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs, leaders, executives are afraid to let poor performers go because they're afraid that they're going to hurt them deeply, that there is no future for them, that they can't be successful elsewhere, on and on and on. And all that, it's a story, all Mm -hmm. that that they see for someone else doesn't serve anybody, doesn't serve the company, doesn't serve the person they're trying to help, doesn't serve them. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I love these today. I love this, uh, this coaching session today. Thank you so much. My pleasure. It's great to do this with you and uh, I look forward to next week. Yeah, me too. So for everybody watching to learn more about frame of mind coaching, check out www.frameofmindcoaching.com. We have a ton of resources uh, on our website and we also offer complimentary coaching calls. If you'd like to get a feel for our methodology and Um, and a taste for how we coach, give us a call, sign up, and uh, we will get in touch with you.